Good morning. Welcome church family here and online. We're so grateful for this opportunity to share the word with you. I'm Kent Wallace. I serve on the deacon board here and and occasions when all else has failed and everyone else is gone, then I get to step in. So uh, it's a pleasure to be able to speak with you this morning and, and bring the word of God. We're talking about a familiar story in 1 Samuel 17. It's about Goliath. So you can help me a little bit here. Knock, knock. Oh, we can do better. Knock, knock. Goliath. Oh, Goliath down. You look tired. See, the advantage of being a grandfather, you get to rerun all your dad jokes one more time. <laughs> at least, at least one more time. That's right. Goliath. David. Such a familiar story to us. And when we think about the giants in our life, I want you to start to think about what Goliath might represent for you. What are the giants that you're facing? Those overwhelming presence in your life because we're going to talk about how David saw something different and as he faced a giant a true giant he was able to choose a different path when everyone around him only could see the giant it reminded me of a big giant in my life I was saved um, over 30 years ago. I was praying with Linda this morning, and she was reminding me when she was the church secretary. I was 27, 26 years old, and I was, I was walking past the office to go meet with Brad Powell, our pastor here. And she said she watched me walk in, and then she watched me walk out. And he said she could tell that something had changed. And I accepted Christ as my Savior that morning, and we experienced a year of amazing prosperity. We had, I was a salesman for an audio company, and it was a year of abundance. And I was like, whew, being saved is awesome. Matter of fact, that Christmas, I came to my wife and I said, babe, over a million dollars in sales in West Michigan. First time in the history of the company. One thing you don't have to worry about. Is this guy ever losing his job? Like, I'm a rock star. Two months later, I got a telegram in February saying, cease and desist all activities for the company you work for. You have been terminated. Now, full ownership, it was my fault. I was a salesman that was on the road with a Jetta GLI 16 valve that was really fast. And I had this theory that the more I'm in the car, the less I'm selling, so I would drive very, very quickly. Mel Brummel would oftentimes remind me how fast I was driving. We spent a lot of hours sitting in his uh, patrol car, and he would remind me how fast I was driving, and I needed to really slow down. But I didn't listen to him, didn't listen to the cautions of anybody, didn't listen to the cautions of my wife, and I sped, and I sped, and I sped, and I got fired. Not only did I get fired, I lost my driver's license. And I lived at this street, 322 Academy Street, in that little house <laughs> with five kids, <laughs> about 900 square feet. So if you're wondering how that happens, you just stack them, just one on top of the other. 
And, um, and we face this enormous giant. No income. Becca's a stay-at-home mom. Five kids. And I was like, Lord, how did you allow this to happen? Lord, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why would you take away the provision for our family? And we prayed, and we cried, and we prayed, and, and God gave me uh, an idea to start a little company that I could run, but we were, like, broke, like, broke. And I was defeated, and I literally did not know how we were going to overcome this. And this church showed up, literally. They gave us a food shower and literally filled our closets with food and toilet paper to the point that it was a year later to the day that we took the last roll of toilet paper out of the closet. And I had just started a new job at that point in time. Enough toilet paper to last a year. And when you talk about the Wallaces, that's a lot of toilet paper. Let's just put it that way. I remember Joni showing up and grabbing an electric bill off our table and paying our electric bill. I remember so many of you that gave and every month I would sit there and go, babe, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. And then the church would show up. God would show up. This giant that seemed so, so unbelievably hard to overcome, all of a sudden was defeated. Because of God. Who's your giant? What do you remember? When do you remember God showing up when your back is completely against the wall? When you wondered if there was any hope whatsoever? Well, let's look at this passage. We're going to talk about this passage. We're going to go through these thoughts of what and who are the giants in your life. How do you see yourself? And finally, where do you find your strength? So if you're a note taker, those are our three points we're going to try to get covered. I do that in honor of Nathan not being able to be here. So we're in 1 Samuel 17. A champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. So by the way, this is the longest chapter in 1 Samuel and in 2 Samuel. It's 58 verses. We're not reading all 58 verses. I want to trust that you might know something about the story of David and Goliath. So we're going to... Lean in to a little bit of your past knowledge and understanding, and we're going to hit the high points as we go through this passage. So we're picking up here at verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who's from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. His shield-bearer was ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and out in the line of a, for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man. And have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects. Should probably give you the verses there. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So you get the picture, right? Goliath comes out. The Israelites come out. Both sides of the hill, valley in between, the battlefield before them. 
I just kind of have this picture of these, these warriors, these, these, these Israelite warriors standing there, ready, proud, to take on the Philistine army. And then this shadowy figure starts pushing its way through the ranks, steps through the ranks, and stands in front and starts mocking them and taunting them. And he's this giant of a man. And I get this feeling that they looked at each other and go, you know, I don't really think I want to fight today. (laughs) And they just turn and melt away. And Goliath is mocking them. And they just turn and melt away. I'll fight another day. I'll pick another day when the obstacle isn't quite as large. So let's talk about this Goliath. He was a true giant. He was six cubits in a span. A cubit in that day was from the tip of your finger to the tip of your elbow. So if you're a Mel Brummel, that would put him somewhere around 11 or 12 feet tall. If you were not a Mel Brummel, then you would have been a little shorter. They figure somewhere between, he was on average somewhere between 9 and 11 feet tall. A span is the tip of my thumb to my pinky finger. So six cubits in a span. The tallest man in the world in, in recorded history, his name is Robert Wadlow. Remember Robert Wadlow? If you ever had a Guinness Book of World Records, born, born in 1918, he was 8 feet 11 inches tall. So this little boy next to him here, you see, this guy right here, that's about a teenager. He's maybe a little younger than that, but that's what David was. David was a teenager. So here's this young man looking up at 8 foot 11. Can you imagine looking up at 10 foot 6? Literally twice his size. So we got a Caleb-sized figure looking up at a male-sized figure with a Titus-sized figure on his shoulders. A mountain of a man. And he was a champion. He was a warrior. He was somebody that knew how to fight. Oh, quick fun fact. Uh, Robert Waddle actually died in Manistee, Michigan in 1940. There you go, trivia. So this battle, we understood, was that Samuel, he was taller than any of the people, excuse me, Saul was taller than any of the people from the shoulders upward. So, so I thought it was just interesting that this giant comes face the, the Israelites who had a king that was a giant. Saul was a foot taller than the average Israelite. So God allows a man that is taller than the giants that the Israelites have. And the verse even says that even Saul turns and runs away. It's too big. I'm the biggest guy in our land, and they sent the biggest guy in their land, and their biggest guy is bigger than our biggest guy, and I can't even fight this guy. And he turns and he walks away. See, this champion knew who he was. This enemy of Israel knew that he was a proven warrior. Saul knew he was a proven warrior. All of Israel knew he was a proven warrior. He was a champion. The Philistines knew he was a proven warrior. Unbeaten, undefeated. Nobody could overcome him. And finally... For 40 days, he taunted the Israelites. 
You know the giants in our life? Doesn't it feel that way? Every day you wake up. Every month I would wake up, I'd open the mail, there would be bills, and I'd look and there'd be no income to pay it. Relentlessly, day after day after day. Do you have those giants in your life? It's just relentless. Every day, the pressure seems to mount. Every day, you wonder, can I overcome this? Will I survive? Will I get through this? Do you know what it's like to be taunted? I had to think about this because I, I was trying to think, man, have I, have I ever like really, really been taunted? And then I remember this summer. I was playing cornhole with Nathan Smith. Carl and I were taking on, um, I think it was Wes and Nate, I can't remember. And we were crushing them. I mean, crushing them. Like, we're, we're at the brink of victory, like 19 to 2 or 3. And then Nathan. <laughs> You're going to choke. You're going to choke. This is it. This is the winning bag. This is the winning bag. And I'm like, <laughs> like I, don't, I, don't, I don't collapse under pressure. <laughs> and they came all the way back and beat us. And he was just relentless, just constantly. You're not, you're not going to... I feel for you guys. I, mean, I started praying for you guys every day since that day. But I experienced what taunting is all about. To be told over and over and over and over again, you're never going to do it. You can't overcome this. You're not going to be successful. And that was Goliath. Literally screaming to them and saying, you will never ever overcome this. What are the giants in your land? Is it people? Is it work, career? Is it health? Is it finances? Is it a sin that you wrestle with? Is it a covetousness that you wish you had something that you don't have and it just won't go away? Is it idolatry? Is it worry? Is it fear? What's the giant that's ravaging you emotionally, spiritually, and mentally? And what can you do about it? Well, David. David had a different view altogether. Now, David was a son of the Ephorite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, so he one up me. And, the Saul, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand, taunting every day. Early in the morning, David let the flock, left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. 
As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Goth, stepped out from his lines and shouted this, his usual defiance. And David heard it. Wherever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from the great fear. Whenever, excuse me. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You come down only to watch the battle. So now David moves from here, after listening all that would be done for him, or for any man who would be willing to face Goliath. And he stands before Saul. And then David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the land hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David had a perception of himself. But others saw him differently. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself like his brothers did? See, his three older brothers looked down at David and said, the only reason you came up here is to watch the battle, to see the show. He said, you've been irresponsible. You've, you've, you've left these sheep in the wilderness. But when you read the passage, it specifically says that David left the sheep with a shepherd. Not only that, when he, when he arrived at the, at, the, at the battlefield, he left the supplies that he brought with the keeper of the supplies. I don't think the scripture here was just adding a few details for clarity. I think it was pointing to David's responsibility. That he wasn't being irresponsible. That he was being very responsible. Yet his brothers could only see the little brother shepherd boy. They could not see a young man of God that was behaving responsibly. And then how about how did the king view David? See, the king saw David very much the same way. Matter of fact, if you read all the way to the end of the verse, the king barely even knew who David was, even though he was the the harpist who would sit in his court and play music to to soothe the spirit of fear and turmoil that he would have that Brendan spoke about last week. He didn't even know his name, didn't even know who his father was. 
barely even understood or recognized who he was. And yet, David, that didn't deter him. He was fighting for the Lord Most High. He was fighting for God. It didn't matter if the king knew him. It didn't matter if the king tried to dress him in armor that was never going to work for him. It didn't matter that the king saw him as a little boy. Matter of fact, it's quite clear that he is actually the king's shield bearer. He should have been standing in front of him holding his shield where Saul went to battle. But instead, he is the shield bearer walking out to take on Goliath. And then what about how his enemies viewed him? We're going to see that when the battle begins, that Goliath has a lot of choice words for what his perception of David is. But even more importantly, in this early passage, Goliath states clearly, Am I not a Philistine? Am I not someone who believes in gods you don't believe in? And are you not the children of Saul, the children of God, the Israelites who came into this land? Are you not the ones that claim to have the one and only God? He directly mocked our God and claimed that his God was stronger, more powerful, and overcome everything. And on that alone, the Israelites should have gone to rush into war for this. David viewed himself as a victorious ambassador of God. He knew who he was. He knew what God had done for him. He knew that lions and bears had attacked. And he remembered that God had showed up for him. Do you remember? Do you remember those times when you felt like, I have no place else to turn? And the Lord showed up for you? Answered your prayers? David did. He remembered that he didn't take down the lion. He didn't take down the bear because of his strength. He did it because the Lord gave his enemies into his hands. And if he did it before, he would do it again. And he remembered, who has allowed the giants into your life? Do you remember that anything that comes into your life has to pass through God's hands first? That there is no sin that is not common to man. And when you are tempted, he will provide an escape for you. There's no circumstance that you've gone through that other men have not gone through, or women, our children, and he always is there. He always provides you the strength. He always provides you the path. There is nothing that enters into our lives that he has not preordained and approved. Goliath was not a surprise to God. He knew that he was going to be there. Matter of fact, we can go all the way back to the shores of the Red of the of the Jordan, when they crossed over into the promised land, we can go all the way back there and the, and the spies identified, there's giants in the land. It's like, they saw these guys. And yet, they still trembled. So what David faces Goliath, let's finish out these passages and look. So Saul dresses him 
and the armor. And David responds, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, and the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked down over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. I almost got to get this feeling that Goliath's standing there with his shield-bearer, and he sees David coming out, and he's going, Oh, good, they're bringing the shield-bearer. Now let me, let me see where the, the champion is. He's got to be... Oh, you're, you're it. You're, you're the big, you're, you're, you're the challenger. Oh, you're the challenger. I had no idea. You look like a pretty boy. Aren't you a harp player? Like, no clue that this guy could possibly be the champion that Israel had sent out. And had to even believe it had to be a joke. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come with, at me with a stick? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack David, ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Do you get that? He ran to the battle line. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into the forehead and he fell face down on the ground. The battle belongs to the Lord. When we think about going back to this beginning study of Samuel, Nathan brought us to the point in understanding that those that stand against God will fall. You remember the story of Eli? You remember the story of Dagon? The God that fell face force in the presence of the ark. Now Goliath. And later we'll talk about Saul in the chapters to come. All who fall face forward before God. None can stand before our God. None. The confidence we can have as we walk in light of truth of His Word is to know that none can stand against the Word of God. There is no giant in your life that is too big to overcome. 
If you lean into the word, if you lean into the believers of Christ that will support you and help you, all can be overcome. It's not by sword or spear. It's by the power of God that he will be victorious and the same is for us. There's going to be giants in our life that seem way too big to overcome. About five years ago, my mother was struggling with pancreatic cancer. She was 77 years old, the picture of health, and then cancer. She did everything she could, and for three years she fought and fought and fought. I had the privilege of being with her almost every month for the last year, flying back and forth, and then for about the last six weeks I spent with her. Monstrous giant. She Oftentimes when I sit by her bed, she would ask like, I feel so frustrated that I can't do anything for you. My mom served her whole life. Her whole life she served. She served in the church. She served her friends. She served my dad. She just served. And I had the privilege for the last three years of her life to serve her. And I told her, Mom, you've given me the greatest gift at all the chance to give back to you after you've given us so much. And she showed me how to finish well. She finished so well. Praising God every day until she died. Never lost faith. Just looked forward to the day that she would be in his arms. How big are your giants? You can run into the battle. You can lean into the fight. You don't have to cower and walk away. The word of God is strong enough. Your body of believers is strong enough to help you fight and have victory over the giants in your life. Remember what God has already done for you. Remember that he has already won. When I drive by that house on Academy Street, I remember. I remember that he's already won the victory for me. That he's showed up in my past and he will show up in my future. That the battles I face today are not more than he can handle. It's interesting because the passage in Scripture says that the David took off his head Ken, you want me to emphasize that? Took off his head and took it to Israel. But he took the sword and the spear and he put it in his tent. I think he wanted to remember all the days of his life what God had done for him. I'm glad he didn't keep the head. But the sword and spear, he remembered. A token of what God had done for him on that day. A remembrance that God will and does always show up. How do you see yourself in God? You know, so oftentimes I think we see ourselves as apart from God. 
And then we lean in and go, Lord, help me. I need you. I'm in terrible, terrible times. I'm struggling so desperately. And we feel like God just gives us a little refreshment, a little soothing, a little comfort. But then times get tough again, and we feel so far away from God. We go, Lord, I just need a little bit of you. And, and maybe we feel he comes and gives us just a little more filling, a little more refreshing. I used to view God that way. Like he was way off, and I was way down here, and I was hoping he would give me just a little bit of his presence. And then I got saved. And I realized my illustration's wrong. Because when I got saved, this is not going to work well. That I was in God. And from that point on, Nothing ever came into my life without going through Him first. And my position in God had changed. I was no longer outside looking in. I was in God. And nothing ever came into my life without going through Him first. No challenge, no giant, no struggle ever entered my life without it first being allowed by Him. We are in Christ. We are not being poured into. We are filled completely with His Spirit. His Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us the power to overcome and take on whatever life challenges bring to us. What are your giants? Who are your giants in your life? God has allowed the giants in our life. We choose to see them as God sees them or as man sees them. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a little boy, a little girl, helpless, weak, defeated? God sees us as his beautiful child, created to face the giants in your life and to be victorious. Where do you find your strength? Is my strength in man or is it my strength in the Lord? I challenge you. I encourage you. I exhort you. Remember what God has done for you. Lean into the victories that he's given you and face the giants that are in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful, Father, that you give us a word. You give us stories that are true, that gives us examples of what we too can face in our life and overcome. Father, give us victory in the giants in our life today. Help us lean in, support, love, comfort, heal. And Father, most of all, trust in you with all the battles that you have before us. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.